free message series that we're in, we're talking about wild and free. Well, why? Why? Because we want the true, true freedom. And when we have true freedom, we can truly be wild with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's not the old wild we were whenever we were living in the world, but the real wild that the Holy Spirit just wants to move with us and move through us. And boy, it just, as Dean was just saying, it gets wild when you sit there and you have the boldness and confidence to, that comes upon you to go and just pray for a need. You see something that someone's struggling with, God gives you a word, and all of a sudden you go and speak that word, and boy, you just see their hearts just begin to break, and you see emotional healing, which leads to physical healing, which leads to years and years of bondage just falling off of them. Why? Because you were living wild and free, living in alignment with the Holy Spirit. And so that's some of the things that not only we do in Honduras, but we, want, we, we, we make it a, a normal, it's just normal, a normal way of life, what we call is a lifestyle. Uh, freedom itself is a lifestyle to walk in freedom. I wanted to make these visuals for you. I printed these out a couple of weeks ago or got them sent a couple of weeks ago. And I want to draw your attention to those because, and, and I actually want you to ask you to keep this in your wallet, keep it in your pocket, keep it with you everywhere you go so that you can kind of do a self-discovery. Because what you'll see is we all like to stay in this little place to the far left called comfort zone. That's where we really feel safe and we feel in control, like this is my world, it's all good, uh, everything's good around here. I'm in control. I know what's going to happen here, so I'm just going to stay here, right? That's, that's self-control. Uh, that's, that's, sorry, your comfort zone. But guess what? The Holy Spirit's not really concerned about your comfort zone. God, doesn't, God has no, no intention on keeping you in your comfort zone. And in fact, you trying to struggle to keep yourself in your comfort zone actually causes a lot of the problems and struggles that we have in life because God's trying to move you out of your comfort zone. When we start to be pushed out of our comfort zone a little bit or something's drawing us out of there, out of there, all of a sudden we find this next place and that's the fear zone. That's what we're going to focus on today. We, we start to hit this fear zone. Oh man, I don't know. How's it going to be? Remember, I know how everything works in this world, but how what on the outside of it? What happens when I start to get on the fringes and I start to just get outside of the, the boundaries and the borders of what I'm used to, what I know is normal? Maybe it's my culture. Maybe it's my job. Maybe it's my workplace. Maybe it's my county. Maybe it's my church. Maybe it's the, the, my family. Maybe it's my relationship. Maybe it, what does it feel like whenever I start to get out of there and the Lord's starting to prompt me into something new? No, Lord, no, Lord. It's hard to follow the Lord whenever I'm saying, no, I'm gonna just going to stay in my comfort zone. The problem is that's where a lot of our pain comes from. And so when we get into that fear zone, what we're seeing is a lack of self-confidence. We begin to find excuses. We begin to lie to ourselves, and we believe those lies. And then we begin to get affected by other people's opinions. Instead of hearing from God, knowing we're hearing from God, and he's saying, I want to get you out of your comfort zone and take you here, we start going to say, well, what do you think about this? Or what, do you think, what do you think I should do in this? What do you, like, you heard God. You know what God is pulling you to do, but yet our comfort zone is to go and find some information, and we'll ask enough people to hope Hope we'll find two or three that will actually agree with us in our comfort zone saying, no, don't go do that. It's scary out there. And these are usually the people that we know, they're staying in their comfort zones. <laughs> so we find comfort in other people's comfort zones because they comfort us in our comfort zones, which keeps us in our fear zone. 
So then we all of a sudden, we get tired of that because we go back and forth. We're wavering from comfort zone to fear zone, and all of a sudden, I'm just going to try it because I am tired of feeling that way. However, as we're moving into that, we also still carry some of the baggage and bondage through that, but we start to figure out, how am I going to dissect this? How am I going to deal with this? We move into the learning zone, and that's when we start to deal with the challenges, some of the changes. We start to deal with the problems. And in our minds, we're prophesying, saying, see, this is why I never wanted to do it, get out of my comfort zone, because I knew this would happen. But in reality, God is saying, I'm making this happen so I can bubble up the junk that's inside of you so I can scrape it off and get, get rid of it. It's like that cream that comes up when you're churning butter. You've got to get that stuff off so we can get to the real stuff. And so God is moving us out of our comfort zone through our fear zone so we'll rely on him into a learning zone so that we will actually grow to be all he created us to be but it's going to take dealing with some problems. Then we get into this place where, okay, I'm starting to get some rhythm. I start to acquire some new skills. I start to learn a few new things. I start to, I start to get set free a little bit. I realize, whoa, if I apply the, the Word of God in my, to my life in this area, things happen differently. In my comfort zone, it was just a word on a page in a book called Holy. But then all of a sudden, I start applying it to my real-life situation, and the world around me starts changing, and I didn't do anything to control it or manipulate it this time. Wow. It's amazing how that works. Because every time I tried to control or manipulate everything as something, I had to con continue to control and manipulate it for it to happen my way. But when I just gave up and I began to trust God and apply His Word to the things that I was doing, all of a sudden, supernaturally, God began to move things to where it just worked out on my behalf. And boy, a lot of stress just flew off of me because now I can see God move on my behalf. And that's when we start to learn a little bit more about God. Oh my goodness, I'm learning. And He begins to extend our comfort zone. All of a sudden, our comfort zone encompasses a little bit of fear, but it encompasses a learning zone where all of a sudden now I start to get propelled I'm fearful, but I'm learning now. I know that all I need to do is learn a little bit, grow a little bit more. I need to apply a little bit more. I need to adhere and listen a little bit more. I need to do what I did while ago, quit trying to control and manipulate. And I need to just allow God to move on my behalf by getting in his word and watch his, watching his word work for me. Amen. And then I start to get in the growth zone. And here's what we all want, but we, we rarely have the courage to get in the game so that we can find the growth zone so we can really be all, become all God created us to be. This is the big gap between comfort and growth, and we have to have a lot of freedom, find a lot of freedom. All summer, we've been talking about different issues that we all need in areas of freedom. My wife talking about anger last week. Whew. Man, she brought it, didn't she? She really made it hard for me to get up here this Sunday. Like, I got to follow that. Man, you're not speaking before me again. You're like, I'm going to have some gap, some buffer in between us where somebody else is going to speak. Make it easier on me. But when we get in the growth zone, we start to find purpose. Wow, I feel fulfilled. We start to move from this place of comfort and a little bit disgruntled, a little bit agitated by life. We got that hair, wild hair I was talking about, you know where, and I just don't like it. And everything's a problem, and I'm just grabbing about it. And nobody likes to be around me for some reason. But then I move into this place where now I'm starting to find purpose. Now, now I start to see how God is working on me and working in me. Now I start to see that, whoa, it's not about shame and condemnation and guilt that I've been carrying. I don't have to carry that. I, I can live out of that? Like, I can live beyond that? I can live with freedom through that? Absolutely. Then we start to live our dreams. That's when we start to wake up inside. And then we get into this place where we're setting new goals. All of a sudden, 
boy, I have vision for my life. I think I can do this, this, and this. I think I can accomplish these things. I think if I just put a little bit of extra learning in it and trust God that he will do it, if he's called me to it, he is faithful and he will do it. Sounds like a scripture somewhere in Thessalonians, maybe chapter 5. If, if you just apply that and trust him at his word, Maybe this thing might work out, and I'm going to prayerfully get in his presence and set some goals that I feel like he's telling me to do, and I'm going to look for those to be benchmarks in my life to move me for, towards the ultimate goal of what he wants for my life. Can that really happen? Not in our comfort zones. That's why I want you to keep this in your hand, in your pocket, and then we start to conquer objectives. Boy, it just starts to happen. Life just starts to literally move out of our way. All the problems, uh -uh, I ain't going there. I ain't going back to that place. I ain't going back to the past. I'm not living out of that. I'm healed from that. I'm, I'm over it. I'm living out of it and from that because I'm living from a place of victory in everything that I go into. Amen? Amen. And that's what we're talking about today. And so I want to build your hope up. I want to build your perspective up because as we go through this today, I'm going to talk to you about one of the main determ the things that just determines how we respond in our comfort zone, and it comes to us to deal with getting out of that through the fear zone, and so we're going to address fear today. But I want to remind you we're living from victory to victory, and you are standing right now seated in heavenly places, and you are in a place of victory no matter what your mind says, no matter what your situation says, no matter what your heart position says, no matter the, the scars and the wounds and the hurts in your soul, what they are screaming out at you. I'm telling you right now, if you are in Christ Jesus, you already are a victor. Are you, in, you are sitting in victory. So let's just set the platform right there today. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in our leadership night, August 8th, and so I want to invite you to be there. We're going to drive this thing home that night, and everything I just spoke, I'm going to give you all the tools that you need and help you with the application and the process for everything I just spoke out and you said amen to. So I want to see every one of you there. All right? <laughs> so this message is for somebody, and I know it. I know it's for many people, in fact, and, and, and here's how you know this is for you, because you've dealt with or you're in the middle of dealing with a battle that's bigger than you. Anybody ever been there? You've dealt with or you're in the middle of a battle that is bigger than you. And if you're not, you're probably in your comfort zone. Or if you haven't, you've probably stayed in your comfort zone. And here's how you can identify if you're a comfort zone squatter. Never, never faced a battle that's bigger than me. You're not that big. So here's how I know, but I'm going to take you to 2 Chronicles 20:17. This is not on the screen, but if you want to track it with me, track it. We'll hit it up later. 2 Chronicles 20:17. By the way, our notes are in U version now. It will have. You want to download these? You want to save these? This verse will not be in it. You want to make a note in the notes section. Second Chronicles 20:17. I'm just kind of giving you a, giving you a little space because I know somebody's over in in Second Corinthians looking for chapter 20. <laughs> Second Chronicles is in the Old Testament, but it says this: 
You will not need to fight in this battle. Did you hear me? You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation. See the deliverance of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them. Go out tomorrow on Monday morning. Go out and face them. For the Lord, your God, is with you. Did you hear what I said? You don't have to fight this battle. Go out tomorrow. For the Lord, your God, is with you. Psalms 34, 4, David says this. He says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from some of my fears. He delivered me from all of my fears. I sought the Lord. He heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. 1 John 4, 18 says, There, there is no fear in love, but perfect, perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. Ever been tormented? But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Ooh, that's a challenging point. But he who fears has not been made perfect in in love. And I think that's the whole path that Jesus has every one of us on, and he's moving us into our growth zone. Because if you talk, if you remember the different seasons of our spiritual journey I showed, and Pastor Lacey's going to bring it around, we talked about these phases of our spiritual life, and then all of a sudden we hit this wall. Then there begins an inner journey if we're willing to face the wall. Inner journey being healed and, and being conquered and, and being developed in our lives, we start this outward journey. Now it's no longer about us, it's about everybody else, and it's about what God is doing. And then in that last season of our, our Christian journey that Jesus really wants us to go into maturity with, we just become love. I just love everybody around me. No matter, it ain't about me anymore, it's not about my hurts, my wounds, my feelings. I don't care. I don't care if they reject me. They're rejecting Jesus. They're not rejecting me. I'm just going to love the hell out of them. Yes. That's when you know you're in that last season of maturity, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't come with an age. Right. It doesn't come with an age. It comes with somebody getting out of their comfort zone, through their fear zone, in their learning zone, and then that growth zone. Fear, let me tell you a little bit about fear and love. I want to I dissect these because I want these things to be logically very clear for you so that there is no fear in understanding fear. I want it to be so clear for you, you're going to start seeing, oh, when I do this, I'm just showing fear. By not doing this, that's just fear. But wait a minute, I can't be perfected if I'm allowing fear to lead me, so I'm going to live in love and I'm going to trust God. What do I need to process in God's word so that I can live from love and I can actually go into this thing that I know he's prompting me to? I know his spirit is leading to my spirit into. So I've got to begin, begin to have these mental definitions, these mental, mental markers of what fear really is and what it looks like so that when I see it, I'm not afraid of it. I'm going to look it down and I'm going to stare it down and I'm going to watch it fall because I don't have to fight that. That battle. The Lord your God is with you. This is good. Fear is faith in a lie. You need to know that. Fear is faith in a lie. When, I have, when I'm afraid of something, that just means I'm putting more faith in the lie that Satan has believed me over that thing that I am in, in God's word. Fear is faith in a lie. Number one, we receive our identity from our source, specifically our origin or father. The way he transmits our identity to us is through his expressions of perfect love. This means 
If this is true, this means I need to be sure that I'm embracing, I'm spending time with my Heavenly Father, so I'm gazing upon Him. I'm in His presence so that I can receive identity, and I can receive the Father's identity. Fathers, we have a huge responsibility, and knowing this through the freedom ministry and everything that God has healed me from, knowing this, I make sure that I look my kids in their eyes. And if you ever look your kids in your eyes and you just talk with them with love and you release love through your eyes, you see their little souls light up through their eyes and you see that they understand that they are everything to you. And when they understand that they are everything to you, there is nothing that they can't accomplish and there's nothing they won't do for you. Because there's there's nothing that they don't realize that they can't do. And that's exactly what God saw in Jesus that's exactly what he has for us. I had a great father, wonderful, wonderful coach of a father growing up in my younger years. Late teenage years, everything shifted around. We, have a, we, we had an obstruction in our relationship, you could say. The dynamics changed. There was things that, that happened that we, we still, to this day, haven't been able to overcome on the level of relationship. Knowing what I know now, I realized how much it hindered my life and how much I needed to forgive, to bless, to let go, to release, to trust God with the outcome, the rest, the details. It took me understanding this scripture, Matthew 3.17, and it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And this is the very same thing that God is saying after you, after you and over you. Your Father in heaven is seeing you, and he's saying these things. You are in Christ. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. And I didn't know that until my late 20s, so I spent some, some, something like a decade navigating through this rejection, this hurt, this loss of identity that I had gained as a young person. I spent a 10 years wondering through all the pains of that. Late 20s, I got a hold of this, and I realized, wait a minute, my heavenly Father is my Father. And He can restore everything that's gone on in my heart, my hurts, my wounds, my pains. And I don't have to, I don't have to live according to the feelings or the thoughts or the senses of an earthly Father, though I do have to forgive, love, bless, release, and I still have to love them and see them and pray God's best for that person. Doesn't mean I don't love them. Doesn't mean I don't love them just means in their pain, in their struggles, in their rejection, in their hurts, their wounds, I can't let it propel and challenge and change and, de- and determine my life and how the outcome of my life is going to be because I don't have an excuse because in Christ I have an amazing Heavenly Father and He can restore and heal and deliver and bring salvation to all of my wounds. But I had to get that. In my late 20s, that's when I set out on that journey and understanding that I need more time in his presence. I need more time meditating on his truth. I need more time listening to him, hearing him, tuning my senses to the sound of his voice so that I can know that I'm doing the Father's will. And that's when growth really started to take place. Number two, I want to show you a truth about fear and love. No attribute of God is opposed more than his perfect love. No attribute of God is opposed more than his perfect love. Therefore, fear is Satan's number one 
weapon. If he can get you to, to be afraid, you're, we begin to live reaction, a life of reactions, bouncing over here, bouncing over there, bouncing in and bouncing out. That's what fear does. But if we begin to recognize that God is using these things, these things of Satan to actually grow us out of our comfort zones through a fear zone, relying and trusting and releasing, leaning into God rather than reacting to the situations of our lives, we'll realize that though Satan did use the cross to, to kill Jesus, guess what? God used the cross to save you and I. So what Satan purposes for evil, God is on the backside turning around saying, Son, if you'll just keep your eyes transfixed on me, I'm going to get you through it. And not only so, I'm going to part the sea. Do you feel what I'm saying? The very things that Satan thinks, I'm going to bring fear into your life. God's on the other side saying, Son, if your daughter, if you just watch me, if you just apply what I'm trying to say, what I'm doing, my ways. You... Stop trying to control it. Stop trying to manipulate it. Stop trying to do it your way with your will, but yield, surrender, and submit to my word and watch me do it in front of you. Then peace comes to enter in. Peace starts to overcome us. And here's the bridge. Fear, fear is not Satan's invention. It is God's and it is holy design. You see, fear was stolen from God. Well, God, God doesn't want us to be afraid of him in the sense of terrified. He wants us to be reverent towards him. And when I'm reverent towards him, it means that my heart is yielded towards him. My heart is sensitive to his voice. I'm sensitive to what he wants to say to me. I'm sensitive to how he wants to lead me. And I'm, I'm a son in that sense. I'm a son. I'm a, you're a daughter that way. When I'm, my heart is in reverence to God, here's what it, normally I would do this when this person cuts me off or flips me off or, do, or, or, or gets in front of me in line. Normally I would you know, want to choke hold them, picture all those things going on in my mind. But when I'm yielded, when I'm reverent, I'm seeing God... You're going to take care of them. I don't even have to worry about this. You're going to fight this battle for me. So I'm yielded. My heart's reverent to the things and the purposes and the ways and the actions and the behaviors of God. That's a yielded heart. That means I don't have to take control. That means God's in charge. I can let him lead my life. And that's the bridge, and that's where it starts to get difficult because fear is the root of anger, control, manipulation, anxiety, worry, doubt, and every time, any time we're dealing with any of those fruits that I just said, you can identify I'm in the fear zone. When I get angry, if I'm getting angry, it means that I don't understand the situation, I, I've lost control of the situation, and I'm going to try to seem really tough so I can intimidate you to put fear in you because I'm afraid, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to call your bluff. You better not call my bluff because I'm just going to get even more angry to see if I can dominate you. That's what, that's what fear does. Control, boy, I'm good as long as I can control the outcome of all of my situations because I've been through some bad situations and I'm not going to step into a situation I can't control and I don't know, already know the outcome. You know you're, in, you're struggling with fear. Worry, oh man, I don't know how this is going to ever work out. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if, you know, I just don't know if that money's going to come through for that mission trip. I don't know if, it, you know, wor worry, fear. I don't know if God can, I don't know if God can, I don't know if God has enough money to provide for my needs. Fear. That's how we know. But it's the beginning. When it's reverence, it's the beginning of knowledge. 
Proverbs 1, 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Why? Because when we could become reverent towards the Lord, all of a sudden we're willing to listen to the knowledge. We talked about the learning zone. We're willing to listen to the knowledge of the Lord and those who are speaking life into us. And all of a sudden we start to gain wisdom and then we get a little bit more understanding, right, about the situation and instruction. And when that happens, I'm no longer fearful of the things I didn't previously understand. Now I get it. Now I have some wisdom about this situation. And now I know how to handle it according to God's word. And it's very, that very thing that God's trying to drive home in all of our lives. Fear should, be, <clears throat> should become a trigger. Get this. Fear should become a trigger pointing us into new discovery. So when I'm on this little, this little wheel here and I start to get a little bit afraid, that should be a trigger to me not to kick back in my comfort zone and run and go hide, get into isolation. No, it should be a trigger saying, this must be something I need to move forward in because God has something for me on the other side of this thing. Because I know God doesn't want me to live in my comfort zones and my fear zone, so God must be wanting to move me through this because I don't know if this is genetic. I don't know if this is something my parents struggled with. I don't know if this is something just because of a relationship that went wrong, a financial issue that broke last, last week or last year or 10 years ago. I don't know if I'm dealing with this because somebody told me to shut up when I was a child and I'll never be able to sing again. I'll never be able to talk again. I just need to sit over there and be, in the, be quiet in the corner. I don't know if it's because of that, but it could be, so it might be something when I get nervous and I start to feel a little bit fearful in this situation, I might need to step up and just push through it and trust God with the outcome, seek him in wisdom, and I probably need to be a little bit reverent in my spirit so I can listen to him and don't pay, don't pay attention to what's going on on the outside, but listen to what's going on on the inside and watch him. Listen to him with that gentle whisper that he speaks to us with, you can do this, son. You can do this, daughter. You just stand up and be courageous. You be bold. That's the only thing I'm asking of you. You be bold and I'll do the rest. Sounds like scripture to me. Sounds like scripture to me. But we want to understand fear. There's two types of fears. There's a rational fear and there's an irrational fear. I like to joke and say my wife has like a borderline of these both because when I walk in the house, and no, I have to practice how I can walk in my own house because I'll walk in, hey, Allie, ah! Hey, Allie, ah! Or I just walk around, ah! <laughs> no matter how I walk in my own house and try to approach my wife, ah! <laughs> rational and irrational. I don't know which one that is. Rational are the ones that God has given us. Like, you know what? I probably shouldn't jump off that cliff. Yeah. Just makes sense. Probably shouldn't drive 100 miles an hour into a brick wall. Makes sense. Irrational are those ones where, you know what, I don't know if I can drive. I don't know if I should, be, I should probably, I'll probably have a wreck if I even get in the car. Irrational fears are ones that say, you know what, <laughs> uh, there, there's a, there, if I get into a relationship, I'm just going to get hurt. If I, if I go to church, they're just going to hurt me. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. If I, you know, if, if I just step out, if I start stepping out and doing this, you know what? Satan's just going to bombard me, and he's going to torture me, and he's going to, all these bad things are going to happen to me if I just step out and I start living this faith thing. You know, Satan is the father of lies, right? Yeah. And I want to tell you a little bit, remind, I want to remind you, I did say that we get our identity from our father, right? Yeah. And so oftentimes, if we're living in this fear zone, who is fathering us? Not God. 
If I am stuck in the fear zone and I refuse to get out of my comfort zone and go into the learning and the growth zone and I'm listening to the voices that are going on in my head because Matthew 18 says that he comes and he tries to make his voice sound like our voice or an angel of light and we start to agree with that angel of light, who is fathering us? Who do we start to look like? Whose identity are we carrying? We get our identity from our Father. Half-truths, he's full of them. He'll give you half a truth just to make you afraid of something that God is trying to courageously walk you into. Something that he, was, he has a path purposed for you. Half-truths is what you'll get from Satan. Just enough to put fear in you and hope you'll back down from that fight. But you don't have to fight this battle. Because if God did it and he's called you into it, he too will do it. But if it's a battle that you chose because you wanted to walk into it, it's one that you thought, well, I can control and manipulate this. Guess what? You're always going to have to do that. And that is when you will get beat down continually, continuously through. So ways that fear enters and, and, and forms strongholds. Trauma. We all know a trauma. There's abuse. There's neglect. Physical, sexual, emotional, spiritual. Being left alone. Neglect. Being left alone. Divorce. Abandonment. Witnessing a murder or accident. You know, I, I ministered to a father years ago. My pastor had sent me over. He goes, I'm, I've got, a, I've got a, busy, a busy schedule already. He said, uh, would you go over to this family's house? Here's what they're dealing with. And so I said, okay. Let me go over there. So I go, go over there. I'm sitting in this living room, and I'm listening because the son's telling me I'm really concerned. Uh, he's just, you know, nervous. Hey, I'm really concerned because... You know, I've, we've got kids, and we're going to move back home So for school, and, and I, my, I, the kids are going to be upstairs, and, and I don't like them to be up there because there's some things that go on up there. He said, whenever we go up there, the temperature starts to change, and whenever at, and at night, the, hand, the doorknob on the handle shakes, and you can hear people walking up and down the hallway, and nobody's up here except for us. And I said, well, when did that start? He said, well, it, it, started, it started when I was a kid. I'm going to... I'm going to pause on that story right there. So, Dad, I said, here's, here's the deal. There's a spirit of fear that has entered in, but let's talk about that. Well, Dad goes, he gets in, he takes off his sweater. He's got another shirt underneath it. He wasn't being, like, bold. He was saying, I'm struggling with that, and I've been struggling with that since they were a kid. Whenever I was working in the oil field, I saw a murdered body in the field, and it terrified me, and I've never dealt with that, and I've been dealing with it ever since. So I'm going to pause on that. Trauma. Trauma, religious bondage. You know, you could, could have been in a church and was just religious. And you, you don't understand how to get out of that because that's just the way the surroundings have always thought. And so in your mind, you're thinking, well, I can't do this or it can't be this way or you can't, you know, there's got to be control. There's got to be all kinds of control and manipulation going on. There's these bondage. Maybe it's legalism. Maybe it's hyper-spiritualism. Bondage, both of them. Bondage. Generationally inherited. Remember, I told you I started the story about the son. Well, I began to listen to his story and hear what went on when his two brothers left to go on to college. He was a younger one. He started to have fears. He started to panic because his brothers, which were his safety nets, were no longer there. How many people have had another individual as their safety net? Nobody wants to know, right? Hey, thank you for being one honest person in here. How many people have used a child as a safety net? I was a safety net for somebody. I was a safety net. 
passed on generationally, walked, through, walked, through, walked him through overcoming then healing, finding healing and, and releasing the fear, breaking. I walked him through telling the spirit of fear to go in Jesus' name on his own, and guess what happened? They moved into the upstairs. They have never had the temperature go up and down. They have never heard the doorknob shake. They have never heard anybody walking up and down the hall since that night right there. Amen to that. Man, they walked out of their fear zone. They learned a little bit last night, and I promise you they grew that night. And our relationship with them grew as well. Uh, horror or fear-based movies, activities, occult involvement. Everybody, ever watched a, a movie? You know why you shouldn't be watching it right before you go to bed, and then all of a sudden you have crazy dreams? That's your own fault. All right, three greatest fears. <laughs> Here's the three greatest fears. <laughs> you know, do you know you worship, what you, you worship what you fear? Isn't that interesting? You worship what you fear. So, it, isn't it? it fear, so you fear rejection, you, you actually worship acceptance. Oh, I just hope they never reject me. You're so focused on being accepted. You're worshiping acceptance, hoping that you don't get rejected. And it's the completely, it takes you a completely different place. Some, some of the deepest scars in our souls are the, one, are the times we felt rejected. They drive us. We talked about, remember this. People who are rejected, they're always reacting to a situation rather than responding in a situation. So if somebody says, this, you can't do this, you need to do this, they go out this way. They go lean this way. And if somebody over here says, you have to do this, this, and this, and they don't like it, they go back over here. And they're constantly living in a state of reaction, rarely have any consistency in their life, don't know how to find consistency and flow in their life because their only definition of life is reacting out of the rejection that they're carrying in their heart from one situation, one relationship, one financial investment, one marriage, one, situ- one, one place in the church, one place in, in the workplace. Whatever it is, they're constantly reacting out of the rejection in their heart rather than sitting still, being calm in the Lord and saying, Lord, what is it in my heart that needs to be dealt with so I don't respond this way every time something that doesn't go my way, something I don't agree with happens? Amen, they do. And that's what happens. You end up in relationship. You end up either completely isolated because I won't be rejected. I can control my comfort zone right here, right? Or you do exactly what Tammy says. You attract rejection. And so you get in a very unchallenging relationship with somebody else who's carrying rejection. And you two, it's just easier for you two to just reject each other all day. And hurts compound and wounds. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. You worship, you worship success. You worship success. I don't want to fail. So you start, you turn into this legalist person all about works, and it's all about if I can just do, 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 I've got to accomplish, I've got to be the best. I'm stressing everybody else out around me because I'm stressed because it's got to be perfect. And if it ain't perfect, everybody's going down. It's kind of somewhere between religious bondage and fear of failure. Fear of death. Fear of death. You know, this is, this for most people would be called glossophobia. This is one of those things where people literally, I'd re- they would rather die than get up here and do public speaking. Like there, it, it really is a statistic where people know, just kill me. Like, I'm not going to get up on that platform. Kevin, would you come up here on the platform? And just, he's like, no, I just die. kill me right, right here, right now. 
right here, right now. The closer, here's the deal, the closer you get to God, the less you fear death. We start to lean in and we trust him with all the shrapnel. We trust him with all the rejection. We trust him with all the failure. Who cares what everybody else thinks? Because if God is sitting here saying, that is my son in whom I am well pleased, that is all that matters. Amen? Amen. We've got to get to that place where I'm just looking at the Father. And when I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm ministering to the Father. Though I am ministering to human beings, I am ministering to the Father. And until we get that, we will always carry rejection as we minister one to another because they didn't receive me the way I thought I should have been received. Stepping on toes. Wear your, wear your steel toes next week. And every fear... Is, is rooted in death. Remember, uh, Paul says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yeah. Every fear is rooted in death. For somehow, no, if I get up there, I'm going to die. If, if I go and do that, I'm going to die. If I start serving, I'm going to die. If I start leading, I, it, this is not going to end well. I'm already prophesying death over my life. Fear of dying and going to hell. You have the fear of dying and leaving loved, loved ones behind. Here the fear of Fear of, of loved ones dying, constantly being concerned. Are they going to die? Are they going to die? Oh, no, they're going to die. They're going to die. Fear of, dying, fear of the dying process. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to be brutally murdered, and I'm going to be dragged down the road, and I'm going to be, you know, my neck's going to be cut off. Like, I'm just not leaving the house. They can come into your house, too. I'm going to put a little fear in here right there. They won't come in your house. <laughs> Let's talk about the overcoming process, though. The opposite of fear is not courage or faith. It is, it is love, and I'm, I'm going to show you this. When we, open up, when we open up to God's love, it results in a fearless confidence, knowing that we can do all things, and God can do all things. That he's called me to, he can do it through me. If he's called me to it, if he's called me into the battle, he will fight the battle. And so I can believe and trust from that place. I can be rooted and grounded in his love, knowing if I just yield to his love, I can overcome the fear that's going on inside of me. First John, remember, 4.18 says, There is no love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. And get this, he who, who fears has not been made perfect in love. But I want to tell you, faith is the vehicle to get you to that place. Because i got to have a whole lot of faith to trust that God loves me that much and he's willing to get me through all that. Well, i got to have a lot of faith, a lot of faith to trust him. You know, what, you know where that comes from? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And where does that come from? Me spending time in the presence of the Lord. Because when I'm spending time in the presence of the Lord, I'm hearing. He's increasing my faith. And so now he does love me. He can love me. He does want to do these things. And if I'll just listen to the very voice, the things that he's prompting me to, the things that he's calling me into, and I quit paying attention to what's going on around me or what has happened in the past when I tried to take that step into that very same thing, it was the wrong timing. But when I start doing it in his timing, he parts the sea. He says to his priest, just walk in, just step in. And he does the rest. That's the God I know. That's the God of heaven and earth. That's the King of kings and the Lord of lords right there. And that's the one who cares deeply about you. Second Chronicles 21 through 13, I'm going to back this story up that I started out with. Remember, it's not Corinthians it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of, of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. 
Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you far from, from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they, had, they, they are in Haz, Hazazon Tamar, which is in the Angedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Verse 5 then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, you are not God in heaven, and do you not, I'm sorry, you are not God, in, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and you, do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Our verse 7, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Do you notice that he is reminding God of who he is? Do you need to know why? Because the people needed to be reminded of who God is and what God has done and what God can do in this situation. And this was a situation brought on by God. Just before this, he's reminding God, wait a minute, whenever the people were come out of, coming out of Egypt, you told us not to kill them. And here they are about to attack me. Let's continue. Verse 8, and they dwell in it. And have, the, have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, This is God's people. If disaster comes upon us, a sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple. And cry out to you in, your, in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Have you ever tried to help somebody and then all of a sudden they turn on you and they just start bringing havoc into your life and here you are saying, you're doing that to me and all the things I've done for you? And here they are. These are, the, these are the, the descendants of Lot and Esau. And this is why God said, no, I want you to save them. And so they saved them, released them, let them stay in the land. And here they are. Now you're, they're coming after our possession. This ain't our fight. God, this is your fault. This is your battle. This is your stuff. And sometimes we try to take on other people's stuff. They bring that stuff into our house, and God's trying to do a work in their life, and they want to bring all their junk and pack it, unpack it in your, in your yard, saying, won't you come up on the front, front porch and help me deal with all that stuff? And you've got to learn to say, that's not my junk. That's your battle. That's the one that God is working on you in. This ain't my battle to fight. Because sometimes we get hung out there, in the middle of a battle and wore out because we got in the middle of God and somebody else's battle. And we're, we're catching all the shrapnel. We got to know that ain't my battle. I can help coach you like Deborah did from the high tops. Well, you should probably do this, this, and this, but you're going to have to do it. I can't take that load from you. Here's what I would do if I was in your situation. Learning new skills. I'm going to go listen and get some wisdom. I'm going to talk to somebody who's been through that. 
and I'm going to do what they say because it seems like it's working out for their lives. That's not your battle. And then verse 12, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Get this. It's not in there. They stood before the Lord, their wives, their children, all the men of Judah, with their eyes upon him. And what were they doing? They were receiving their identity. Looking at the Lord. This is your fight. You tell us what we need to do. But we're going to stand here and wait for you to move. Because you're going to move on our behalf. Because here's what you said to all the generations that came before us. And here's what you said not to do. And so you're not going to say to do and not to do unless you have a way out. And all I got to do is stand firm. All I got to do, what we say in verse 17, I got to step out and I got to face them tomorrow. All I got to do is show up, be present, and watch God move. All I got to do is walk into that interview and not run from it. All I got to do is make that investment, make that financial decision, and not be scared. All I've got to do is apply the Word of God to my marriage and watch it work. All I've got to do, because if He called you to it, He will do it. Fear keeps us from our destiny, our divine destiny. Fear keeps us from our divine destiny. Therefore, 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Come on, somebody. But we got to stir it up. You notice Paul in here in prison, he's saying, I'm going to be poured out like a drink offering. But son, your father, your spiritual father is passing away. But son, you're going to have to step up. You're going to have to show up and you're going to have to stir it up. Tell somebody to step up, stir it up. Show up, step up, stir it up. Step up, show up, and stir it up. You can't wait around passively waiting for somebody else to clear your jump. That's your fight. You got to stir God up. You got to stir it up within you, but you got to let him move. You got to let him move. You got to let him move. I want to tell you, you know, Allie last week told us a little bit <clears throat> about my arrogance in uh, our young in our marriage. Well, she was young. I wasn't. But uh, we were, <laughs> what, it, what, it, what it dealt with was, uh, you know, a rejection that I was carrying. It was still carrying. So every time she would do something that reminded me of an old situation, I put my wall up. I put my guard up. And all of a sudden, the, the arrogance was the protection. I'm going to protect myself from you and what you're trying to do to me because that hurts me because I remember back in the day when this happened, this is what would happen if I did this fill in the blank. But that was a different situation. It was a different individual. It was a different relationship altogether. I was carrying pain for years, for years, out of a relationship I had been in for seven years, 
And once it ended, it took me five years to get healing through that situation, through that relationship. Five years in pursuing God. And I thought I had found healing, but I hadn't found full healing. What I found was just enough to get me close to God and dependent upon God so that he could draw me into new situations. And he had to make it look similar to an old situation so he could get the junk that was buried down in there up so he could clean that part of me up so I could move from the learning and into the growing and out of the comfort. And he used a woman as strong as my wife to do such thing. And I thought she was the devil. I mean, she was demonic, but I mean, she was demonized, but, uh, <laughs> but God was using me also because the rejection that her father carries in his heart was, was grafted in genetically and through experience into her heart. And so we were sitting there rejecting one another. God was using me to bring up the junk in her heart so he could deal with her, and he was using her to bring up the junk in my heart so he could deal with me. Can you imagine what would have happened if we would have just said, no, I'm going to call it quits? That was a temptation because guess what? My dad had been through two divorces. So because of that, this just sounds like the easy way out. You'd think that the father of lies is not sitting there whispering in those situations. we got to decide who our identity comes from and who we're going to believe. Is it God's word or is it the father of lies? It was July 19th, 14 years ago, that that relationship was ended legally. My, my ex-wife divorced me, something I never saw coming, never wanted. It hurt me, something fierce. My life was changing. I was going into a different life, no, knew what we were doing. The lifestyle we were living was wrong. She continued in that. She didn't want to put me through it. I didn't even have to go to court, nothing. She just gave me everything. I struggled with that date. Struggled with that date, July 19th. You know what happened July 19th? You know how good God is? You know what happened July 19th this year? Well, this year on July 19th, the city of Athens called me and said, you've got your approvals for your permit to build, start building on your church. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what else happened on July 19th in 2019. In July 19th in 2019, not only did that happen, but the same day, I get a letter from a bank saying, not only do you need to apply, you don't need to apply, you are pre-qualified for the full amount of the loan that your church wants for the building that you're planning to build, and they gave us the best interest rate than any of the other three churches, I mean, church, uh, banks were willing to give us on July 19th. And I can't help but to think whenever God says in Isaiah 43, 18, says, remember not the former things, nor the things of old. He says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Did you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and a river in the deserts. Isaiah 65, behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Come on. Sounds like God's word to me. It sounds like that he is making all things new. Revelations 21. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You think that you're going to be stuck to an old situation just because it happened. But I'm telling you right now, in your pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is making all things new and he is rewriting history as we speak. Yeah. 
Did I tell you, did I tell you we're celebrating August 18th at 6.30, the groundbreaking that's happening on August 19th? And I didn't choose that date. The excavator chose that date. And guess what? That just happens to be the anniversary of my baptism. I can't control and manipulate that. Only God can do those things because I don't choose it. He uses other people to choose things so that he can rewrite the history in my heart so he can show you I am in charge, son. And he wants to do the very same thing for you. If you worship team, I know it's not in line, but let's just come on up. And I want to I challenge you to just do things differently. Continuing that story in Chronicles, it says, verse 14, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benani, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And you're saying, why did you just say all those names? Because i got to let you know, God said he would take care of his people generations after generations, and these are the generations that he fulfilled his promise in, and he was still fulfilling his promise to Jehoshaphat, and he's still fulfilling his promise to his people right here today. And he said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you king of Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude For the battle is not yours, but God's. Hallelujah. Tomorrow, go down against them. The battle is not yours. The very thing that you're afraid of, keeping you in your comfort zone. The very thing, whenever whenever it starts to look and feel like an old situation and it draws you back in because you don't know what it's going to look like on the other side of that thing. That ain't your battle. That's his battle. He's drawing you into that. And if we'll just live in reverence and yield and watch him move on our behalf and trust him, God, you're pulling me into it. You're going to have to get me through it. But I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep stepping. I'm going to show up. And I'm going to face it. I'm going to watch you move. When anxieties get high, I'm not going to lose my mind. When I start to want to get angry, I'm not going to go there. I want to rest back on you, and I want to watch you move on my behalf. And he's going to train you on learning how to overcome the anger, overcome the control, overcome the fear, overcome the worry. Because you're going to have this relationship where you're seeing that God has called me into it. He's going to do it, and all i got to do is walk through it. Man, that's good. I want to do things a little bit differently today. I want to ask you, if you will, just, if it's right there or if it's up here, if you'll just get on your face before the Lord. Just get in a place where you're truly reverent before a holy God. And you might be thinking, well, if I get down, I can't get up. Do your best. Because in verse 18, it says this, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head, with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord worshiping the Lord the battle was right in front of them it was only 25 miles away they didn't have time to recruit an army to gather people they didn't have time to to train up soldiers they went into the presence of the Lord and they reminded him who he says he is and who what he's done in the past 
And then they realize the battle is not ours to face. And so in the midst, in the midst of the enemies, in the midst of trial, in the midst of financial break, in the midst of relationship issues, in the midst of divorce, in the midst of your situation, they got down on their faces and they just worshiped. And here's what God did. He began to turn the enemy upon themselves and they slaughtered themselves. He sent what they couldn't see in the spiritual realm to defeat what they could see. So what is that thing? Holy Spirit, I just asked you to reveal each individual's greatest fear. Father, help them in a safe place to feel what that fear feels like, where it came from. Show them the people, the situation, the place. Show them where they were when that happened. Father, I ask that you give them understanding in that situation beyond their understanding and their interpretation, beyond what the father of lies convinced them of in that situation, in that circumstance. Will you show them the truth? Holy Spirit, show them what you're doing right now in that situation. Holy Spirit, I just release your healing power your healing presence into those old wounds, those old pains, those old fears. Spirit of fear, we just command you to go right now in Jesus' name. You have no power over our people. You have no power over me. You have no power over any individual in this place. Holy Spirit, I just ask you release your love like a blanket over every individual in this place today. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank him right there. Just feel the difference as he rewrites this old memory or rewrites your perspective on whatever it is that he's shown you that you've been fearful of. Just linger in his presence and learn to listen. What are you saying, Holy Spirit? How is he saying to navigate through that situation? How to navigate into a season maybe you don't understand. What's the one next step that he's declaring to you right now? What mountain needs to be moved? Just declare to him that he is big enough. He is greater than that mountain. And if he's showing it to you, it's because he wants to face it with you. But you got to show up tomorrow.
let him show you what, he's, what he has for you. Stay there in his presence and let him continue to reveal. Don't be anxious. There's no need to be anxious in his presence. Anxiety is rooted in fear. And you have a God of love. You have a Father who's declaring that you are, he is well pleased with you. some he's even showing you the outcome of the very thing that you've been fearing and he's showing you a different outcome he's rewriting your perspective on what it's going to look like if you just show up if you just stand firm if you just receive his love today old traumas maybe you were in an accident maybe you were still angry at another driver he's just he's asking you to forgive and release and bless maybe you had that difficult relationship with your father and he's reminding you to just just forgive and bless and release Pray God's best over his life. Learn to receive again from a father, your heavenly father. Maybe you've suffered brokenness and debt. You've learned so much. He's saying, step out again. But do it his way. This is how he says to fight our battles. We're going to give you the tools in our whole ministry, August 23rd, 24th. We want you to walk in complete freedom. This is a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. And when life kicks up and it wants to throw you in that fear zone, You remind God of all that he's done and what he can do 
you remember that this ain't your first rodeo. You've been there and you'll get out of this one too. Yeah, you've been in a place where you didn't know there was going to be a way, but when you kept on walking, he just made a way. And this is the same battle you're facing now, but it's his battle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that you want to fight our battles. Thank you that the things that you've called us into, you want us to yield ourselves. And sometimes we think worship is song, but worship is focus. Worship is focusing on the one who can save, who can deliver, the one who has done it, the one who has called us, called us into it. It is focus. When we worship, we begin to draw in our focus to a mighty God, and we stand up a different individual because there's healing, there's renewal, there's peace. And when we walk in the peace of God, there is nothing, nothing that can combat us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do and all that you're do you've done. And I pray that you help in every individual, myself included, walk out of this room today carrying the peace of God, knowing that you are going to fight our battles. And all we have to do is show up and face them tomorrow. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, I want to thank you so much for hanging in there. Thank you so much for pressing in to the Father, because you're facing a battle. You were here today. God drew you here today because there's a battle that you're enduring, and you've probably been trying to do it on your own, but God's saying, that's my battle. That's my battle. You just get reverent before me and watch me do it because I'm going to turn the enemies on themselves, and I'm going to have them fighting themselves, and all you got to do is right, walk right through the middle of it. God, we bless you. We thank God. We bless you. We thank you, and we just we praise our holy God with, it, with you guys, and we thank you for praying for us. Thank you for being a part of this family. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for showing up, and thank you for fighting your battles because the world is wondering, how do I get through this? You're going to show them. Y'all have a wonderful week. We'll be here next week. Let us know if we can do anything for you in between.